0: This is Adam Porters from Hero Movie Podcast, and you're listening to Polyhedron. All right, well, first off, I'd like to say welcome, 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 everybody, for taking your time out of this amazing con to come and spend some time with us and have a little bit of story time. Um, I know there's a crazy amount of stuff going on at this con, like constantly. I have like 18 conflicting things on my schedule all the time trying to decide on what I'm going to do, so we really appreciate everybody coming to check out this particular panel. But uh, before we get started, I want everybody to sort of introduce themselves and say where you know, you're from, so I'm going to start you off at the end of the table with Ryan.
1: Hi, I'm Ryan Josephsberg. I'm one of the hosts of Polyhedron. Uh, I'm from Marietta, Georgia. I live around here. I, I've, been, uh, I've been gaming for 16 years now.
2: And I'm Scott Cuban. I'm also from the Polyhedron Podcast. Um, I'm from Marietta, Georgia as well, been here forever, I can't remember a time before, so that's how memory works. <laughs> uh,
3: I am Matthew Malus. I am also the host and producer of Polyhedron. I also live in Marietta, Georgia, which is getting kinda weird that all three of us just happen to be in the, from the same place, but yeah, uh, anyways, funny. uh, it's good to be here, and uh, hello? Uh,
4: I am also from Marietta, <laughs> <laughs> that was a lie. Um, I'm from Bluffton, South Carolina. I DM the Vicious Mockery podcast. My name is Maximilian. I have a last name, but that's less important. Um, <clears throat> my other players are over there in the audience because we're not cool enough to have everybody in our g- group at this panel. Um, but we also have T-shirts, which is kind of cool, so we're kind of leveling it out that way. Um, but that's who I am. Thanks.
5: I'm Philip. I am from Botched, uh, a D&D podcast. Uh, I am from the overly friendly city of Philadelphia, and uh, I produce uh, and co-host on Botched.
0: And I am your moderator, Dennis Robinson, otherwise known as the world's most okayest DM. Uh, You can also find me on Botched. We are part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. And um, yeah, so thank you again for coming to the Kill Your Darlings and RPG discussion. Uh, Now, I don't know about you folks, but I assume if you're fans of RPGs, I love a good story, and I love good story time, so we're going to share some of our stories about the topic that we're going to be talking about here, which is letting go of great ideas, whether it be as a player or as a DM. Sometimes you come up with this really elaborate backstory, and then it doesn't matter at all because he dies in five seconds or something else, or the DM doesn't care and kills you off immediately or just never covers it. That's right. So uh, so I thought we're going to tell at least one story each, and then I would love to hear some crazy shenanigans stories from the audience if you have any. Uh, And then when I, you know, ask for somebody to shout out a story, somebody, probably Charles, will bean you with the talk box. That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, I would like to start off with a fellow DM, Max. Feel free to tell us a story of how you had to let go of a great idea.
4: Well, that's great. Uh, Thank you for putting me on the spot. I appreciate that. Um, So uh, if any of y'all are at all familiar with my podcast, which I'm going to go ahead and bet the answer is no, um, you'll know that my players don't do anything the way that makes sense or would progress the plot or make good things happen, so... I have a lot of stuff that I prepare for the game. In fact, I'm I'm running a module. If you're unfamiliar, um, which again most of you are, uh, is out of the abyss. Um, you probably are familiar with that module. Um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, it's it's almost more of a of a plot setting than an actual adventure. And so there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of places. There's a lot of plot thread lines. So it's already written in a way that allows you to pick up and put down things as your players interact with them. Um, but it also sort of anticipates certain rational activities by the players, like they see a problem, maybe they want to solve it, right? You'd think that's why they're playing D&D, at least it's what a rational person would do. Um, or, or they meet, a, meet an NPC with, a, uh, with a, a sympathetic background or an interesting personality, you might think they w- would want to find out more about that NPC or help them with their problems or, or anything like that. But my players don't do that. Um, "My players, when they meet an NPC, they find the first way to exploit it or kill it, or um, turn it to their purposes, whatever they happen to be, which can change from moment to moment and game to game. Uh, and I have to choose as a DM what I'm going to do about that, right? I can I can say, okay, well, this is this is the campaign that we're running. We're running out of the abyss, and if it's not in this book, I'm not doing it. And then all of the choices and all the things they did, however, insane they may have been don't matter anymore because because I'm running this book regardless of their choices. And then Or I could go the other direction and just say, okay, I've got this book as a platform from which our insanity is going to rocket off of. And then all of your players are on that ship. They're taking off. You don't know where it's going now at this point as much as any of them do. And that, to me, creates a much more interesting game, and that is the way I've approached this game, where I have now a guidebook, a small, a 250-page book that has a lot of ideas, plots, places, and people, but I have no idea when or how I'm going to get, in, get into any of them because I'm following what my players' choices are. Um, and that, to me, sort of embodies as a DM what you want to do insofar as letting go of your plots and your plans. I have NPCs that I like. Uh, I have, there's one in there, if you're familiar, called Darendil. He's got this whole mystery as to whether he's a Quagoth or he's a transformed elf or whether or not that's actually true or not. And your players might be interested in that and try to discover it. Or your players might make choices that kill that character off before any of that is even encountered. And if I force that, if I sort of stomp on their choices to say no you know you you made some choices that ended up in that guy's death but i'm going to keep him alive anyway then they feel like their choices don't matter and they're not having fun anymore um, and I just have to learn to let go of that plot. Because I was gonna do something really cool with Darren Dill. But he's dead now. Thanks. <laughs> he may come back. You never yeah. know. Well, yes, of course. Uh, death is a oh, thing. Of course yeah. that's that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's, in D D it's like comic books. Death is never permanent, but I have to let go of what, what I was it's going permanent. to you do. <laughs> <though>. it's,
0: <laughs> it's permanent. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, your DM may vary. And your uh, legs don't come back. <laughs> oh yeah, body parts don't come back, no. that's for sure. They you can be mechanical. Back. That would be cool. Now, Max, you should know already that all D&D players are complete psychopaths. So you should not expect pity or nope. kindness of any type. Yes, I, I do know that. I, okay. I'm used to playing in a gaming store where they at least have some
4: semblance of rationality. And, now I, and then I started a game yeah. with my friends uh, <laughs> to what extent that was intelligent. What does say about not? you? A lot of really <laughs> bad <laughs> things, and they're all true. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So now I'd like to get a perspective from a player and somebody who... I'm guessing actually has a lot more different RPG experience other than just D&D. Uh, Scott, do you have anything for us? Yeah,
2: I do have something. Um, so a while back, I ran a fairly long-running Exalted uh, campaign. Uh, are people in the audience familiar with Exalted at all? Fantastic, nope. so I don't have to explain th- a thousand years of lore. Um Please so down. yeah. Oh, strap in. Wait, I don't know. How long about we got this. left? Strap Alright, so it started with the primordial. Oh, so anyways. You're going nowhere. So um I had set up a scenario where the PCs who are a collection of different types of exalted, like there was a there was a couple of solars, there was a lunar, there was a sidereal, and a dragon blooded
1: It who, sounds downright wacky, I guess. Yeah,
2: it really is. Uh, but they ran into another solar exalted, uh, a Twilight cast, who's like this sort of sorcerer king. Uh, And this Twilight cast wasn't an evil character, but had a very different perspective about how the world should be run. And I set up this character as sort of a long-running antagonist, someone who was not necessarily going to be fighting the PCs, but going to be an element in their story that was going to cause problems from time to time. And within about 40 minutes of encountering this NPC, uh, my zenith, uh, which are, like, the solar priests and, and like, uh, channeling of the Unconquered Sun, had had basically evangelized to this twilight about how he was completely wrong in his perspective. He called upon the glory of the Unconquered Sun to, to wash away his sinful thoughts and had such a ridiculous goddamn role because exalted. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, come on. That's not it. Uh, all right. Well, he, he pre-prepaid. Uh, that that the character became a long-running ally of the can- of the campaign. So I had to like scrap an entire subplot um, because someone had a good come-to-Jesus moment, um, and and that's the sort of thing that you have to allow. You can't like if someone is is creative and the dice are with them. Uh, sometimes that just becomes more interesting. And honestly, it was more interesting because. It, 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 it give them more time to fight demons and abyssals and the actual bad guys.
4: And, and then you can replace that dude with somebody else if you need to. Yeah, it's absolutely.
2: Really yeah, yeah. It it the come exact come
4: same backstory and you know,
1: <laughs> and, you know <laughs> the exact same arc. I mean, <laughs> this is yeah. the son of such. Yeah, and yeah, and so yeah. So yeah. Right? yes, it's yes. This yeah. is
2: this is Chad the Twilight, yeah. not yeah. Thad the Twilight. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you
0: did. <dead. laughs> <And you're dead. laughs>
2: but anyway, that's my story.
6: Nice.
0: Uh, so I would love an audience story. Does anybody have a story or a question that they'd like to throw out right now? i got to go with the awesome mutton chops over here. I mean, <laughs> okay. Uh, you don't have to throw it super into the box.
7: So back in the early days of third edition Dungeons and & Dragons, and I mean early days when sure. there there were only the three basic books, I found in the ancient tomes of Dungeon Magazine a great dungeon to run. So I took my wife and my two best friends, and we they were going to go through this dungeon, but they, they started infighting uh, <laughs> to the point where... <laughs> One of the characters, she's already making excuses. One of the characters uh, contracted pneumonia and was left in the attic of an inn while the other two characters abandoned him, abandoned the children, the orphans that were kidnapped, and left the city. Okay. So all of them died. Mm -hmm. They're just going to slow you down. So I tried again. I attempted again. I ran the game again with different characters, the same players, they ended up setting the forests around the city on fire and there killing go, countless innocents with yeah, a wildfire. Right. Well, you're Innocence. making space for condominiums
0: and things yeah. like well, that. Well, so at that point, I,
7: I literally took the dungeon magazine and, and shredded it in front of them. They were probably elves. Well. Yeah. <laughs> elves deserve it. Thank They're you so much for your west. story. Oh,
2: good fantasy races. Uh,
7: I would like to, Matt, we were having dinner
0: right before the show, sort of discussing how this was going to go. And uh, Matt, were you saying you you also had a little bit of DMing experience? Uh, I have GMing and player experience, obviously. Okay, well, I'd I'd like to get your input on either
3: or both. uh, Actually, yeah, I got a pretty good story. This is actually fairly recent in my career, so I think this is pertinent to what we're discussing about. So I'm playing in Scott's Amber game that he is developing for some, some live play and actual play sort of broadcasting. And I'm coming up with this concept named Lachlan. It originally was named Locke. I had had this idea three years ago when Scott was like, I want to run an Amber game. So I dig deep in the lore, started developing it. If anyone knows anything about Amber, look it up. It's great. Read it. It's good books. Quick reads. So I'm making this character, and uh, originally he was going to be the son, incestuous son of Corwin and Deidre. You
2: sick. Ah.
3: Yeah, I know I am. Uh, Why did it have wh- to be? Anyway. But. As the, his game was actually developing, the one we're actually going to broadcast, I started writing up his backstory and really getting more into the character, and I realized I needed to switch things. It was The backstory was becoming too overwrought, too, too much, and there was too much melodrama, if that's such a thing for Amber, I don't know. Uh, but what I did was, I, after I knew what the character was going to actually be, I went back to the backstory and started writing, and I was going to tweak a few things, just like a sentence here, or a sentence there, Then I realized within five minutes, I got to write the whole thing over again. This was me getting out of my way and realizing what the character actually was in my head. Things just started clicking for the character after that point. And that's kind of my story of sometimes you just got to get out of your own way and just kind of let things go with your character. You're like, oh, that was really cool. That's a cool idea. Ended up being not incestuous child of Deidre and Corwin, and I went a different direction, a little more... Easy to handle
4: as yeah, a
2: it, it It wasn't going to be that. I was going to mess with his, his memories because that's just gross.
4: <laughs> but, but, but That actually brings up another good point. That, that one, one of the big barriers that can come up with in coming up with new ideas or scrapping your old ideas is that it's a lot of work and you worked really hard on that and now that time is just lit on fire.
6: Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: And what I do to remind myself that that's okay is that I remind myself that every single second I spend playing D&D is time lit on fire. There is literally <laughs> yeah. no point to any of this. Yep. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. That actually
2: keys into a bit of advice I gave Matthew a really long time ago in an Aberrant game that we were Running, uh, and it, it can be summed up pretty simply. Don't don't play the character concept. Play the character. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let let what happens in play inform the character more than the five pages you wrote, uh, because that's that's more important. That's more vital.
4: Yeah.
2: That's what people
1: see. Yeah, that's yep. what's on the that's yeah, on screen. That yeah. actually kind of leads into what I was going to do.
0: All right. Oh, okay. Well, so I was going to actually jump back to the audience. I know I saw a couple hands before. So who had the the awesome hat? Yeah. yeah chopper. Chuck it. There you go. Almost. Oh. Dr. Basketball pass, Charles. Basketball pass. No, fastball pass. pass. Sports <laughs> ball.
4: Super
3: sports What's your name?
0: Hold on. Let's bring it up
3: and say, speak into the cube. No, no, it's no, actually bring the a microphone. Box. It's a microphone. Hold yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 on. Yeah, hey, cool. There you go. Cool. Fascinating.
8: Uh, I um, have a question, uh, more so because I know that you guys are really experienced. I run a D and D event planning group for breweries in Richmond, Virginia, which yeah, has been really great. great. It's really like created kind of low bar of entry, and like twenty percent of our players have the first time ever playing any role playing game. So that's, that's been self. really great. Hey. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Tra-
2: transmit the virus. It that's needs right, spreading. Right. Spread
8: the disease. Five <laughs> so easy. Um, Smear it all. So what? the one thing that I'm, I'm running into uh, that m- might be a unique problem, but I really wanted to get kind of y'all's uh, ideas and opinions on it is I will create campaigns and because we'll have sometimes even up to 70 or 80 people, uh, which is you know eight, nine tables uh, that we're running, we have to be aware that whatever campaign uh, uh, we create is going to be solved really realistically eight or nine different ways. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but we still need some sort of like overarching continuity. So we do write like our whole kind of campaign beforehand. But then every now and again, as you guys are, are well aware, uh, something crazy happens at one or two of those tables that kind of like ruins what would be the consistency across the campaign, and I don't want to make it to where I'm dismissing those players' efforts because those are real characters, and those are real stories, and those a lot of times are really unique <laughs> and creative stories, but at the same time, I can't say that the seven other tables who are you know reoccurring people uh, won't be able to see, and, and sometimes I try to get really creative and figure out ways that I can incorporate that in, but. Is this something that maybe any of y'all have run into during y'all? I was actually complaints? just
4: talking about this before we came out here. Um, you know, when you when you run a pre-written campaign, if you're not writing it yourself, they'll they'll have a few scenarios sometimes. It may not Sometimes just one. Sometimes they'll have a few ways that the players might decide to solve this problem, and they'll give you ways to run that. But of course, the players might not use those ways, as as you were saying. So what I do, personally, is I take the DCs for whatever their suggestions are, and I pull them out of the framework that they've created, and I leave those numbers on their own. And then whatever the player decides to do, that's the DC for that. I don't care what it is. Because really what they're doing is uh, overcoming a problem through using skills that their character is good at, and and if they want to use what their character is good at, so you let them, and you just make the DC whatever the appropriate hardness is supposed to be as a barrier to progress. So the the specifics are less important than just saying, yeah, yeah, sure, you totally did that triple backflip because you did that DC. All that matters is that you beat. What was on that
2: piece of paper? And, and if you want to solve it in a, in a more of more narrative way, I mean, here's a suggestion: say that there's some weird chaos god that's messing around with like causality, and maybe something different did happen in a slightly different timeline, and you can you can weave that into the ongoing narrative, yeah, like the... such that that yeah, no, two di- two different people had a di- different recollection of what actually happened, and make it a plot point.
0: And I I deal with it two different ways before i used when i had way too much time on my hands i would write out like if they were going into a city i'd write like 30 different encounters that might happen and they would hit three of them and then oh i'll save the rest for later for another time but then as time went on as we kept doing the show um now it's just mostly improv i have basically cliff notes of what i want to happen but they will never do anything that nope. I think they will do? <laughs> no. So I don't. I just go improv only. I actually try
5: to work against you as yes. much as I can. <laughs> Which then <So> I predicted. What
0: I run into is that we Yeah. creating
4: something that has Are you familiar with Adventures League? Uh, no. They, yeah. do, they do a lot, they, they deal with that problem all the time because that's what their whole thing. So you should check that out, because a lot of their, uh, um... yeah, yes. Adventures League is a, is, a, is a Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, okay. Oh, oh, I'm,
5: I'm sorry, sorry you feel like
1: do you feel like your answer was, that was a sufficient answer, do you have any further question? Or? I appreciate
8: all the answers. Oh. that I can kind of like, my way.
1: To... Yeah, it's.
8: We have solutions,
3: but I just to It's just like a shotgun blast. Uh, yeah. So here's yeah. my advice just for finish. that. Um, just keep doing it. Yeah. You will not. We will not have the gold, the silver bullet solution for you. Nobody else will. You'll figure it out, no, I but do. you got to keep doing it.
1: That. Follow,
2: Follow yeah. Awesome's razor.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> whatever's
2: coolest.
0: Whatever's yeah. coolest.
1: Develop a very, very intricate, complex meta narrative. That's Murphy's the answer.
0: answer. <laughs> 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 Everything that can go wrong will. Yep, exactly. It always does go wrong. But so speaking of people who make things go wrong all the time, mm-hmm. Phil, my co-host, your turn. Oh well,
5: <laughs> so I play. Chaotic, stupid, as much as I can, and I try to find every loophole in his story and purposely go after it. And I mean, if you're not familiar with our show, uh, we're really bad at rolling dice, and our characters are tissues, and we just run through them as fast as we can. Um, but I don't, I don't think properly while I'm at the table because I'm normally drunk. So like. When I see, for instance, uh, I think this was episode three, there was a door in front of us, so instead of trying to actually, like a normal human, go through it, I'll missile kick it. <laughs> and I botched, so he broke my legs. And then, so I'm a burden to everybody for the next 12 episodes. I have box legs now, people were carrying me. You could store stuff in it. Wait,
0: you missed strange. a pretty important in-between yeah. there where this other guy on our show, Tristan, he decided he would Im- implement what he called elvish medicine, which oh. is you take a bone saw, and you just cut his legs off <laughs> instead of
5: feeling them. Well, that's the thing, because he kept making me do con checks of a DC-15, knowing that I'd been rolling fours and fives all night. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. so, uh, so that, what happened to Gritik? Let's see. He got stuck in a mudslide, and so instead of people actually helping him with a the rope, they tied a noose... For me to catch, which then caught my neck. Because they botched. And then they surfed my body to freedom. <laughs> the, the body doesn't
4: bend that direction typically. So that's, yeah. that's the next level of killing your darlings, yeah. where you kill them and yeah. then use them for some practical purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but Efficiency. then again, it's like recycling. Mm-hmm.
5: I only, you know, I spend maybe fifteen minutes building a character. I don't have time for rules. I don't have time for like. Subclasses? No, you know, I I just <laughs> I, I realized uh, what I was playing a a, 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 rogue. a rogue
0: thief. Realized. This was slash
5: uh, arcade because I
0: just wanted magic. Yeah, but so so. so we're sitting there and I'm I'm trying to remember who's standing <laughs> you next you to what. And <laughs> Phil here's just like, come on, you're the DM. I'm not supposed to tell you how to do this. I've been standing here. I've been sitting here looking at. Uh, what was it? Backstab or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, ba- I don't know how backstab sneak works. He's like, I've been staring at the same paragraph for two hours. What does sneak attack do? And then he starts reading the <laughs> sentence. And he's just. So yeah, no, we had in our uh, intro. It says questionable understanding of the rules for a reason. Yeah. If it makes yeah. sense, I just run with it. Yeah, and if it and doesn't make sense, I still run with it. Anyway. That's that's one of the other things
4: you have to learn to give up too, as a, as an experienced player or DM, is that you're not going to play with people who have experience or know what they're doing or even really care to learn because you know ha- there's there's multiple reasons people play D and, w- and one of them which is huge is the social aspect people just want to hang out with their friends and play a game yeah, they and they don't want to read a, they don't read a 200 page book to do that all three of my players are like that and i beat them regularly for this attitude but if i want to play this game with them which i do unfortunately for me i have to allow them to be that kind of person and that's you just give up that sort of like hope that you're going to play this perfect game because it ain't ever going to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, so does anybody in the audience have a question or a story they'd like to share?
7: Oh. Yeah.
5: He's a
0: volunteer. Oh. Oh. Uh, we'll go with. Um, no, your choice. Oh, never mind. It's already, it's sure. already been yeah, chosen. Right there. Hello. Hello.
9: It's
0: canon now. It's yeah. canon. It's, it's too bad. Oh, uh, yeah. So I
9: actually run a. Hold I'm, it up closer. Sorry. Go. I speak low. That's okay. Um, I run D&D sometimes with two of those, those I guess. What are oh, they actually? Mm. I, oh, I don't know, I still don't know. <laughs> and, and this one. All right. Um, and uh, talking about, uh, what was it, Chaotic Stupid? Yes. Um, that it seems to sometimes be a rogue thing, because um, <laughs> okay. the rogue of our party, um, which I should have known he was going to do this, uh, because he gave a primordial goddess a hug um, is I had made a one-off like merchant. There, I I do kind of a my own like universe in for D and D because I I looked at all of the like for, Forgotten Realms and I was like I don't have time to memorize all that, so I'm gonna make it up as I go. No way um, that. <laughs> and uh, so I had made this. He had no like two lines of a backstory and like stuff to sell, and of course our our rogue is like. He's really interesting. I want to follow him.
1: <laughs> Wait, is that Turin? Okay, yeah, it's Turin. Wait, you, you didn't mean for him to join us? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
9: I made all that shit up after. <laughs> money, money, money. I got, I, I got her.
3: I got her. That's the third one. All right. <laughs> all right, now I got to pull out the wallet. This
7: is the only parent you have to close
0: your tab. I know. I don't even oh get mom. to drink or get drunk. Yeah, right. That messed yeah. me up. <laughs> We do accept checks and money orders, though, too.
9: Tiny, tiny character is now an attaché to their party that travels with them everywhere because our rogue decided to go follow the merchant, see where he was going. Sure.
5: It is a rogue thing because, I mean, our stealth is so high that we think that we can get away with almost anything. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know... I. I'm just bad at rolling, so even with a plus ten stealth, <laughs>
0: I'm getting twelves. Yeah. So, but most
1: of the time, that's good enough, man. Yeah.
0: You can have a plus twenty bonus, but if you botch, you're still probably going to lose your legs. So. But uh, yeah, sure, Matt.
3: Yeah, um, I know we've been talking a lot about like GM stories and stuff. Yep. Uh, I kind of want to talk about player stuff. Sure. Because I think this is important. Um, so, yet. Oh well, Ryan, no, go right. Oh, and
1: I am an I am a consummate player
3: because yes. I, do, I find yeah, go ahead, dicky. man.
1: Uh, it's too stressful, and I hate everyone in the f- who I'm running for by the end of it, so it just it's never worked out. <laughs> it's what happens when you play with a bunch of 3-5 players. They're, just, they're terrible people. You're a 3-5 team, you? I'm a
8: terrible person? Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Oh, well I am table, too, but <laughs>
1: <person>. <laughs> I'm a player. For re- it's balanced, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I'm a LARPer. Uh, I met these guys through LARPing. And LARPers have a very different perspective on it. It's a very different animal than tabletop role-playing because uh, the, there are people who will talk about a character that they're going to do for four years before they actually get to do it. Like, I have people, like, we have long-running games. It's, and for anyone who doesn't know how LARPing generally works, it is 10 o'clock on Friday to 10 o'clock morning on Sunday, you're ba- in character. Buffer ba- LARPing, ba- for specifically. Ba- for LARPing. 30 straight hours, kind of expecting you to be in it the whole time. And there are people who will tell me, as fresh characters, like, oh, my next guy, and <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I'm like, okay, that's four years from now. Like, how can you possibly? It's like, well, I have a costume for it already. I'm like, ah, fair enough. But, got the
4: but, uh, they got the
1: costume. They got
4: the costume. That's all you need.
1: <laughs> really, if it, the, the character will come later. Uh, and they'll tell me these concepts. Uh, I, I'm a big sounding board for whatever reason. And, and most of the time, I say all that to say, sometimes I have to ask them, it's like, so you're really gonna do all that for 30 hours straight? Like, you're actually gonna like hold the accent, do the weird walk, like, have that particular attitude about certain things, be that racist. <laughs> <laughs> Not commit to a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my story on this is like, I actually had a character like this that actually, I mean, he kinda talks like this a little bit, that went away a little bit. He, I held it for four years though. Uh, but the, but he started out as someone who was very much on the spectrum. like because he was just a shut-in uh, biologist. And I realized that after, like, a couple of games, people hated me. Like, they really did not like me. Because probably because of my portrayal of that particular version of being on the spectrum. I mean, it wasn't ableist, per se. I mean, I'm on it myself, so come on. Uh, but I just had to, like, put that little bit away. It's like, okay, well, I... I'm committing to the bit, but people hate it. And I have to be around these people, again, for a lot. And it's a team sport, really. So you just, eventually he sort of normalized. Don't worry, I found some weird flesh, like, Cronenberg crap to really, to fix his brain. It it was great. It was, was, there was a lot of tentacles involved.
2: Having to watch it wasn't.
4: (laughs)
1: Yeah. I only ate one weird thing. Weird baby
3: thing. <laughs> it looked like spam. <laughs>
5: it was spam. <laughs>
0: What's that? Is uh, that you were saying? Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm kind of getting at uh, with that idea is you, you as a player have to give up some of the things that you think are good. Like, uh, to tag on to what Ryan is saying is I saw a, a mutual friend of ours, like, She wanted to try Boffer. We brought her in and she was super into it, but she was super dramatic and super high energy. And by the next morning, she was like, she went up to our good friend Kelly and was like, I can't do this. I I can't do this because I can't keep up that level of energy because for Boffer LARPing, you are your dude. You are not a, a mortal 20-year-old running around with a sword. You are you and have asthma, probably. You got <laughs> to hit the guy. You got to hit the bad. guy, and none of your skills that you have on your character sheet will let you hit the guy any better. You have to do it. And so when you come up with concepts, especially for LARP, like I think this is where it comes out the most, you have to take yourself into account. And that's a limitation, and that's sort of a thing you have to Reason around. I know there's other people that, as we get older, there are issues that we have physically that we have. To, I've had a conversation literally this morning with someone, and like I have, to, he was like, I have to change my character now because I have an injury and I can't do the thing I wanted to do anymore. I need to change my concept. And that's sort of that level of ego death that you have to when you're running or playing. You, you kind of have to have.
1: I don't know, man. I blew my ankles out, and I'm still at it. I don't. I don't know. That just sounds like weakness to me. You're a
2: masochist. So. I know. It's, it's, it's a group. Act,
4: it's a team activity. You're all, and, and you're not, and it's not a competitive team activity. You're on the same mm. team. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's so. Theoretically,
1: it is. The, you're on the same are, team. Uh, okay, our games are even theoretically you, Even people. if you are
4: going head to head, you're all on. You all have the same goal, which is having fun as. A group and if any of your choices all right so we're all terrible people <laughs> <laughs> we're all narcissists but in that in that spherical cow physics world right where everything's perfect you are nice to each other and enjoy each other's company and you have to figure out if what you're doing is making everyone else unhappy player or dm cut it out it doesn't well. matter how realistic or how like your character, it is. Nobody wants it to happen, so stop doing it. Or,
2: or yourself. Yeah. yeah. If, or
4: if you're not liking it, just stop. You don't have you don't have any connection. Like I said, it's it all a waste of time anyway. So just do whatever the hell you want.
2: Yeah, we, we call it the gamers Nuremberg defense. Yeah. Uh, of I was just doing what my character concept was. Right. It, <laughs> it, it demanded it. You see. Yeah. Uh, it's like no, you. You threw me in a pit and covered (laughs) me in lie. I'm not happy with you, but it was was what Elstov would do. You You made up a silly mean song. Yeah, like yeah, Yeah. it's not an acceptable excuse. Is
0: there anybody else?
3: Any questions? One all the way in the back, Michael. Oh wait, we have. Go long. (laughs)
10: Hello.
1: (laughs) Next panel is how to throw the cue. The audience
3: (laughs) throwing things at them. (laughs) Hey guys.
10: So yeah, following up on what you were discussing, I absolutely agree. We create a character in our heads, and we have this idea that they are kind, gentle, or just a complete badass, or a heartless mm-hmm. bastard, or an agent of chaos, A monster. And oh, um, I play monsters. Wait, did, did that one earn it? Okay. I don't know. All I don't right. know what
4: level of cursing we're going cool. for. No here.
10: worries. <laughs> I will sort that out. <laughs> um, and what we also forget is that we're not playing in a vacuum. So even where we ricochet off the what the players can do, it's also no character, I think, fully survives the first encounter with other characters. Mm-hmm. It's how your party dynamic even works. I've had characters that I fully intended to be sweet and gentle and understanding, and they've run across the mayhem that is the rest of the party, and we've sort of had to ratchet that up to to a very, very no nonsense sort of no, we're all gonna survive because I'm not gonna let you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: yeah, you, so you, you go from the sister to the mother.
10: Yeah, you can <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know nothing, So you I, I think a lot of like again the death of your darlings, if if we wanted to to play without other people, we'd write fiction. Right. So at this point Sure. You, you have to create a character, and then you have to be really flexible the minute you put them into your party, and be ready for one, two, three games to go, you know what, this isn't really who they are, not when I see how they interact with other people. So that's that's sort of the contribution on that one. Oh, so
2: a, a thought that I just had regarding that is, like, maybe maybe an idea doesn't work, like, when, when it uh, encounters the player, but that's something that if you still want to sort of experience that, you can talk to your, your DM or your GM about it and say like, hey, I'd really like to explore this aspect of my character that doesn't get a lot of play. Mm-hmm. And you can collaborate and say like, let's let's engineer a situation or a scene or even maybe a flashback where this side of the character can come out and I can see how that works and see how I might be able to bring it out in normal play.
0: Well, real people are multifaceted.
4: Mm-hmm. They yeah. act different
0: yeah. in different situations. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on your playgroup. Like that's I think that's probably one of the hardest things about D and D in general is finding a group of people that mesh correctly with you. Because if you're somebody who likes loosey goosey, you don't want to play with a bunch of people that are gonna stop every two seconds to check the book for the rules. Like it's just not gonna it's not gonna work. You basically have to find a group that works well for you or else it won't be fun for anybody.
3: Uh, the there's a reason I end the tag of my of polyhedron with go where your fun is. Because that's sort of the policy that I have for anyone. Because you could have the loosey-goosey guy. It's like, he needs to be in a loosey-goosey group. The rules guys need to be in a rules group. Because yeah. they're going to get along. Mm-hmm. Um, because role-playing, as we've said, is a social dynamic situation. And I have seen tables where people just got... Like in college, this happened a lot with me. People just, we just play because we were bored. And we just had people together. But we out of play really didn't get along too well. and when we played our it suffered severely. We had huge fights in and out of game, and that gets really weird if anyone's ever been a part of that kind of drama. Yeah well that, that's. Oh my God. That's where
2: the darling becomes the game itself. Yeah, uh, and, and you just have to end it. Yeah, be,
4: be ready to leave a game for sure.
5: Yeah. Um, or just replace people. I mean yeah, kick them. the the group that we have now, We've been together for about a year and change mm. since John's joined. Two. Okay, so Two we we actually we lost one of our players because she moved to the middle of America, and we do a live recording. We don't do it over Skype, so we brought in a rotating people, and just nobody fit, you know, and it was just drama at the table. There was drama offsite at the
0: table. It doesn't help when the person you keep bringing in is somebody's girlfriend, (laughs) and then they break up. Yeah, I mean, there's that, but... We have a whole episode about that. that."
5: (laughs) But now, you know, since John has joined, it's, I mean, they're my family now, they're my brethren's. We play for five hours every Tuesday, and then we all go to the bar together and hang out for another five hours. (laughs) Because, you know... We're more off. <laughs> nobody else will spend time with you, exactly. but I you know it, it took us a while to like trying to get these puzzle pieces in order mm-hmm. to have a happy table and a happy off table yeah so
0: and we have like little special one-offs that we do every now and again, and we will put somebody who doesn't normally play with us, and sometimes it's fun sometimes it does it's it's not as fun skeletons um, but in the end, that doesn't matter as much because it's just a one-off it's just Five hours, one time, every so often. So even if it doesn't work, by the time it's over, it doesn't matter because they're not going to be back for a while anyway. So then you can sort of revamp it or work on it as it is. But uh, is there another person in the audience? Um, Dilly Dilly. Yes.
2: I like how you said skeletons and we all understood that that needed no context. (laughs)
0: something
6: terrible happened with the skeletons. Yes. We're not going to talk about (laughs) skeletons. PTSD. All
8: right. I got a story that leads into a question. So was running a campaign, and we hit a really cool point in the story where the player characters had learned that everything they knew was a lie, and they were made in a lab. And so they were going through this existential crisis, at which point one of them, in, in true character, he, he pissed off, like,
4: he angered one of the demigods in the campaign, and realistically I thought, okay... He should die now. He's made a terrible enemy. So I guess my question is, what do you do when your darlings are your your player characters?
2: There
1: are worse p- fates than
2: death. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there could be a terrible curse. Uh, there could be, you know, uh, body mutilation. Body Take mutilation. Is it, is it Dungeons yeah. and Dragons? Be
0: horribly limbs. murdered. Especially Don't listen to this. Because then somebody has to see 3 po around. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 so we was, too. Or there was there was my
5: character in season two that you know I was. I played it the entire 34 episodes, 40 no. episodes. Yeah, I played it so long, and I just kept trying to kill him because I wanted to play a new character, and <laughs> you just kept giving me robot parts to, <laughs> it, to keep me alive. And it's just like, ugh. But, I mean, even at our table, you know, we still get into fights mm-hmm. sometimes, arguments, and we sometimes take care of it on the show. Like... um Tristan, one of our players, came in three nights in a row and was blackout drunk before we even started, so I kicked his character out the window and <laughs> killed him. And now, then he got the message and then, you know, slowed
0: down a little bit. To be fair, that didn't kill him. He became a paraplegic and then he bit off his own tongue so he bled to death. Oh, Jesus
3: Oh, what the hell? Yeah. But, we're, but, mo- we're monsters at botched. I'm yeah. okay. wow. so, so, But to go back
2: to your question, uh, does he have any NPCs that he cares about or has particularly affiliate feelings? Because, yeah, nope. you, you think I think you know what to do then. Is it dun-
1: so, so, if so it's is, Dungeons & Dragons. Is
2: a
4: plot issue here where, where you've got these PCs that are all integrally tied to this plot, and if one of them dies, the new character won't have those ties anymore? Yeah. So, so, you know, what I do in those situations is, um, I, I use this as an opportunity to uh, do some creative storytelling or improvisation where, now now I have to introduce a new element to this plot, right, that didn't exist before. I had no plan for it. I have to do it. So now I get to be creative again, whereas before I was just sort of playing out things as they went and I did all my creative work beforehand. I see it as an opportunity. You know, again, yeah, all that work I might have gone in with that first plot now is gone, but... Now I get an opportunity to write a whole new one and that's the whole reason I'm doing oh, this in the And first place.
3: and actually you need to examine that. I'm gonna be a little I think I may be a little harsher about this, is the, the the darling may not be the players, it may be your plot line. Think about that. Because if your plot line needs these PCs to do their thing, you you're 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 putting too much pressure on them. Because because they may have not earned that, you may be like, oh, it'll be a great narrative and they'll have a great time. They may not have a great time because they know they're safe. And uh, from what I've ever learned about being a GM is most players, and uh, this doesn't work for everyone, want to be John McClane. Beat the crap out of them. They want to walk over glass, but in the end, they kill the terrorists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They win, but they need to feel like they earn it. And if you're putting too much on them and like they're too critical for your, for your plot line, that may be the issue. I'm not saying it is. I don't know all the details, but I'm just saying... You examine it and look at it. Also, fate worse than death. Death is easy in a role playing game. People will just all oh, make a new character. No,
0: I, mean, I would just
1: make them around. a warlock. Uh-huh. Now you're a warlock for that guy. Enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to check in every once in a while.
0: Also, I I always give the suggestion to to other GMs or DMs that nobody really likes on rail shooters so much. So if you have an ex- now I, again I don't know what your story is or anything like, but a lot of times we run into where people are like, well I. I want this to happen, and then I want this to happen, and then I want this to happen. Well, the party might not want to turn left at that road for no apparent reason to go to that place. They might just want to keep going straight. So that's where it's it's good to come up with multiple options or multiple branches. And even if you do have like an overall plot in your head, you can move it around. Like you can change things up and be like, okay, well, now the villain wasn't in this town. He's in this town. You can try and plan ahead. But again, don't plan too far ahead because they'll most likely never go to where you want them to. Or say the things you want them to say, or do any of the things you want to do, but yeah. So that's that's also yeah, exactly. Thank you. So uh, I guess I should tell my story. Oh yeah, right. I've yeah. been waiting for this. So season get two, it was it's it was supposed to be sort of a post-apocalyptic future, although it still resembled an awful lot like a normal D and D future. But it was a lot of anthropomorphic animals. We had rabbit people and dog people and all these things, and so their basic idea of their quest was they were supposed to collect these five, like, god gems. Infinity stones. (laughs) Infinity stones. And so I had, so all I had, because I do a lot of just improv is I had the map, and in my brain I was like, this stone's here, this stone's here, this stone's here, and so forth. And when they get to that town, I'll come up with what's going to happen. So they're being murder hobos, as they are, just traveling the country. And then at one point they're like, we want to go to the Moose Village up here in the top has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> nothing. But they wanted to go because they thought, Moose people. I mean, that sounds cool. Okay. Duh! Who yeah. doesn't yeah. want to go to Canada? I, they probably have, like, village. maple
2: syrup yeah. and okay. Okay. <laughs> That's what their prime export is <laughs> maple syrup. I tried to do a Canadian
0: accent, but it was rubbish. Yeah. So, uh, so that was about half a second. But, so what I did, I basically improv the whole thing on the spot to be, okay, they arrive in, I forget what the name of the town was, but it's Mooseville, we'll call it. And, uh, they as soon as they got there, there was this intrigue of it was a peace summit between the rabbit people, which are essentially Pennsylvania people, like where we are. They're um, horribly uh, blood-dead in, in like they they all hate each other basically. So they all hill, hill people. They're all awful hill people. So they're coming together to have this peace summit, which they just happen to arrive at the same time. What could possibly go wrong? So they go to the, the summit, and they're like, you know what, there's probably some shenanigans, so I'm just going to sneak under the stage and see what's up. There happened to be a bomb down there. So what do they do? They split it up. Two people get everybody out of the building. Two people decide, eh, I'm going to try and disarm the bomb. Uh, They didn't. He botched. <laughs> he rolled his intelligence check and botched, and he's like, ah, I got it. And then he immediately detonated the bomb, killing many, many people, and then it turned into this whole, like, and it what was really crazy was that had happened just after a bombing in real life happened so so we were like hopefully this isn't yeah, awful right, yeah so so then it, it, it turned into a little we took it I took it a little bit more serious where they, they had to deal with the, the trauma of the victims afterwards and then they had to investigate who was responsible for the bombing and it turns out that the rabbit people because uh, each one uh, was an expert in a different type of machine of war. This one was good at guns. This one was good at siege weapons. This one was good at something else. But how were they also technologically advanced for being hill people? Turns out they enslaved the turtle people. Yes, it was a tortoise and the hair joke. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so they had that whole plot line going on. But that was all just made up on the spot, had nothing to do with the story at all, and then they went about their ways. But it was a wonderful story
4: arc, even though it had nothing to do with the main.
5: And the
1: darling here was his Canadian accent. Yeah.
4: (laughs) The darling there was the Canadian accent. You know, and that was all driven by your players' choices, really. Yeah. You you just reacted
0: to what they wanted to do. That's what I try to do most of the time, just because I don't. And that can be a beautiful thing, and it
4: makes you seem brilliant as a DM if your players are like, oh man, I bet there's a problem here. You're like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Were
2: were there also squirrel people? So you could have moose and squirrel? There weren't squirrels. No people. squirrels. Oh, oh that's squirrels. a
0: squirrel. They, they made that joke, but it didn't. do listen to these guys. No collusion. No nope. collusion. <laughs> uh, I think the mayor was Mayor Caribou Doe. Caribou Justin Caribou Leave Budeau. the panel. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> we like stay. There, you know,
1: but, so yeah. yeah so that, that was
0: basically basically that premise. But does anybody else have a story or a question they'd like to share? Oh my! Go right there, you, you. raised your hand first. All right, one person caught it. Yeah. 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 Success. You win
2: a car. No. <laughs> <laughs> you would a Get a, a mint. I'm oh.
6: um, so I've been doing D&D for about eight years. Uh, I've been a DM for about six of those. Um, my very first campaign um, was... An evil campaign, um, <laughs> yeah, right. And um, that but, went over
3: fabulously. I'm did
2: did you right. say evil or emo?
6: Oh, um, oh. a little Boat? bit of both. Yeah. It was our first time playing D anD. d So uh, we played D anD. d the first time. You're like, oh, I'm gonna make this very super serious character. And then, like, oh man, says, my chemical romance says, and everyone's everything. Everyone's drunk and they're like, oh, we had a bard called uh, Swift Taylor, and, <laughs> 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 um, and it, it was uh, it was pretty beautiful all around. I don't remember a lot of it, um, but. Um, you know, for, so we did that, and that lasted about a year and a half or so, and then ever since then we played you know, normal campaigns, things like this. Um, just recently, I've stopped um, DMing and started being a player again, and we have a relatively experienced group, and we're doing an evil campaign again um, with a completely different group of people. Um, yeah, where it's, it, it started off as like, yeah, we're good people, and then um, this guy right here, Drew, who's our DM, um was like, yeah, this is probably gonna be evil campaign because y'all are just like murdering people left and right. Um so we're like we just embrace it, we're like, yeah, evil campaign. Um my question is is do you find it easier or more difficult based on alignment to kill your darlings, um, in a sense of, hey, if we're running evil campaign, we have a little more leeway. Like, you know, if they murder some people or something things like that, you're like, Oh, well, you know, then we can do this nefarious plot. Or is it more difficult because you're like, Oh, well that guy was supposed to give him the quest and you know, now i just got to make something up on the spot, and essentially D&D jazz, just
0: kind of improv it. I never have a problem killing the characters. Yeah. <laughs> so evil good makes a difference to me. But I would say that if you're trying to make it make sense in a story, evil probably be easier to kill just because if you incorporate some sort of law, or maybe there's uh, bounty hunters that you can, like, they keep making themselves more well-known as terrible people. Okay, now there's a bounty on their heads, like maybe some small town that they butchered the children in or whatever they're doing. Come on! Mm -hmm. Hey,
4: yeah. Dogs. Butchered the dogs. I'm sick of (laughs) hearing (laughs) about that. You know, so... Exactly. I I don't think there's anything, any reason why an evil campaign should be any harder because to me, a lot of the troubles that come with with killing your darlings is that you get attached to them and and, and their plot points and their people that you get attached to that you think are great. And that can happen whether whether they're good people or bad people. In fact, some of my favorite characters are evil people. And they always die because that's the whole point of the thing is to kill them off, pretty much. Um, so I, you know, I, I mean, to me, it's not. it doesn't
3: make a real difference alignment-wise.
2: No. Do you have any thoughts on
1: that? Uh, no, I, I, I don't touch D20, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I've never walked into an evil game expecting to walk out the other side. I'll put it that
3: way.
0: Uh. Blue hat. Yep, blue hat. He's been waiting Sonic while. the Hedgehog.
4: Uh,
0: yeah, so just a story
4: about a darling. Uh, my characters got done killing the jabberwocky or whatever and they went back to town and two of the characters decided that they were going to go on a date and instead of you know letting everyone else kind of decide what they were going to do they were like oh we're going to go see a play we we'll want to see a play and eventually in frustrated uh, gm fashion i pulled up the script for a play and made all of my players read the parts
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's beautifully vindictive oh, i judges. love it
11: yeah but
4: what I realized was one of, the, one of the players was not exactly having as much fun uh, being forced to read from a script, so it's just kind of, while it was fun for probably 90% of the group, mm-hmm. you also need to be careful of those
3: you know, people who are like, okay, this really wasn't my cup of tea. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, as a DM, your fun generally comes from the fun of your players and sort of being creative, but you are not the omnipotent Puppet master. That's kind of not really your job. Yeah, you are. If you want to do that, say <laughs> Oh, okay, fine. Uh, no, no. you're right, you're right. Uh, so they want to think about writing fiction, as some people have suggested already?:
11: So kind of going off that whole concept of evil characters, I guess, having being a little harder to kill off, um, I actually wrote this character that I played with a group of people. Um, he started off as this bleeding heart paladin protector, goody goody two shoes. But I gave my GM a little bit more control over it, because I gave him this flaw where I had no control over his switching into just this heartless monster anti-paladin. And I wrote into his backstory that for some reason he had this psychic break and kinda gave him control over what that would be, and gave him control over when it would happen. And slowly over the course of the session, uh, the sessions, the players kind of caught wise to the fact that all of a sudden I'd start being a big jerk. And so one time they just had to essentially knock me out and I came to and I was all tied up and instead of just outright killing me, the party said, all right, we're gonna help you. Oh no. (laughs) And so so then they
5: did the back end of Clockwork Orange.
11: (laughs) (laughs) So mistake number one. and I would have to essentially make, once I found out, I'd have to like make will save to you know switch between the two, because the personalities were fighting to keep control. Well, just a bunch of botched rolls later, I stayed in evil mode. And party went off to go help stop this riot that's going on. And I trail in behind, and of course I'm saying, ooh, riot. And of course that led me into a confrontation with the party. And they tried to like appeal to my character again and tried to use all these different things like from my background to try and really appeal to it. And we'd all kind of gotten emotionally invested in the situation. And slowly but surely over the course of these botched rolls I realized, oh God, this character has to die. And we have this big epic battle and they knock me out and they finally get it in here and then one of the characters tells like the constable, he's like, so all this destruction, what happened? They're like, yeah, it was him. So the constable just unceremoniously comes up and just stabs him in the head. there's <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just
11: three right under the bus, huh? Yeah.
6: Well done. That's beautiful. That is, that's that is yeah, that's actually a really story, beautiful story. Yeah,
11: yeah, I, yeah, that's
3: like a perfect story of how that's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of like PDP, it builds up over time, and that's because of the, what the players choose to do and how they choose to react. Also and I had this poor luck. I really wanted <laughs> to see like, what
11: it was, and there was this NPC trying to help me like figure out what it was that really did it, and I was really excited to see what happened, but I just realized. Yeah, yeah. You had to die. Yeah. That's, that's just the way it goes. You got to roll with it. Yeah, sometimes it just clicks in your head.
0: We have and time that's a, for oh.
12: one quick story or question. This
5: man
12: <laughs> I'll just stay standing. Um, hi, guys. Uh, so I run a Monster of the Week game because I had never run any kind of game in my life, and uh, 2D6 is a lot easier to handle. Um, and uh, I had uh, written a lot of fiction in my life, and so I did go into this with sort of that, okay, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, they're going to do this. Um, and uh, I was not prepared for this one character that one of my players created by the name of Pyrus, um, who is, uh, I can't say these words if I can't curse, but he's... he's, looking. he's looking. You can you just have
4: to pay for it. It's yeah. for the children. It's not, it's not a it's fine, it's a fee. It's uh, for him. Please can curse for the okay, children. Well, let, me, let
12: me ask this, is oh. Dean? Jizz, a curse. Uh, We're giving you bad advice, I guess. He's demon jizz. Um, He (laughs) stores. My mother's maiden name. He stores vodka in inside of his chest, which which he can do. His chest is apparently something he can pull that out of. He just ruins people's roles for like really no reason because he can do this thing where he hexes people, um, and just. Just sometimes he helps them, sometimes he screws them over. And uh, my personal favorite is he can summon a monster to help him instead of summoning like a werewolf or something that I would assume he would do. He summoned a human sized foot <laughs> with a head on the ankle that looks like Moby.
2: <laughs>
12: <laughs> he named it Canklesaurus Rex. Um, all of this I'm is. Sorry, quite- what was that
5: name again? Yeah, write this
12: down. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm taking can- notes. Ankylosaurus Rex. Tankosaurus. Yeah, and the and the funny thing can- is, there's actually can- a Japanese can- foot demon can- can- that resembles so- this, which no. none of us knew till after it. But anyway, all of this is good and fun and hilarious and whatnot. But my question is, is there a point where the rules of improv, where like the yes and, just start to become detrimental to the yes. rest of the campaign? Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay.
1: When was the last time anything important happened? Players
4: having fun. If you're having fun, that's all that matters. If his if his Improv is ruining the fun, put yeah. a stop to it. And, and that
3: includes the GM in that, too. If the GM's like, I wanted a serious game, this is what I want to do, it, and they start being way too, like, whimsical awesome. about it, it, you may need to have a conversation with that player about the situation. Because a lot of this is expectation management. Like, that is a lot of what gaming and GMing playing is, is what do people expect? That doesn't mean you can't defy those expectations from time to time, just... You need to talk about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it goes down to, like, you, when you sit down at the table, you kind of have a social contract of this is what we're here to do. This is kind of the way we're going to do it. And if someone keeps bucking that, then you got to manage that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got it's got to come down to something.
0: So we're going to wrap up real quick. So I, I basically want each person to say where they can find you. So Ryan, start us off. Uh, I'm at Arduous,
1: R-J-U-O-U-S on Twitter, and I'm on the Polyhedron podcast, you know, I think every other week. Yep. Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm at Divis Malkav. Uh That is, in fact, a gaming joke. Uh, and I'm on Polyhedron.
3: Yeah. Uh, I am at BioImportance. You can find Polyhedron at Polyhedron Podcast. No, Polyhedron Cast. I apologize. Um, and, yeah, you can find us every two weeks. You don't want to follow me on Twitter or anything, but you'll want to follow
4: Vicious Mockery on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook. And you find us on Libsyn, Podcast Addict, anything like that.
5: If you want to read drunk tweets at two a.m. of why Radiohead is the greatest band of all time, <laughs> you can follow me at Imaginary Nomad on Twitter. Uh, Botch is doing a live show this year. Um, Go to it, Crystal Meth Ballroom, ten p.m. tomorrow night. Um, have your ideas ready because it's it's gonna get drunk and weird. Quick, yes,
0: very weird. Uh, you can find me at World's Most Okayest DM on Twitter. Uh, again, on Botched Podcast. So, yes, tomorrow night. If any of you can find me and see my cosplay, you'll have a hint as to what I'm doing for the show tomorrow. So, But thank you so much, everybody, for coming out. Uh, you guys were a great crowd and audience. Hopefully you had a lovely time. Uh, if you could go on the app and give us a five-star review, let everybody know if I was any decent or terrible at uh, being the moderator. That would be great as well. But, again, I just want to say thank you to everybody. And if you want to come up afterwards and just have a chat with us, that's totally fine too. So yep. thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Thank you.
2: Thank you. And
3: have a great rest of your dragon time. Hey, Matthew here. I just wanted to let you know, if you want to give feedback to Polyhedron, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the show's Twitter handle at polyhedroncast. Uh,
2: if you really like to help us out, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Uh, give us a buck a month, and become one of our bosses and really support the show.
1: And if you're looking to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can find Matthew at BioImportance. You can find Scott
3: at DivisMalkav.
2: And you can find Ryan at Arduous. you want to spell it?
3: R-J-U-O-U-S. And finally, just so we can wrap it up here, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere, give us a five-star review. It really helps our exposure. All right. Thanks, guys.